I had very low expectations for this movie. Uh, there was a time when animated movies dominated our family's agenda. I'm sure the parents here today know what I'm talking about. There was a season in our lives when we would watch our kids' favorite animated movies over and over and over again. Parents, I know you're with me on this. Just nod if you're like, oh yeah, same movies over and over. Yes. I'm not sure how many times over the years we watched the Toy Story movies and the Lion King and the How to Train Your Dragon movies. I'm not sure how many times we've seen them uh, in the theater as soon as they were released and then on the couch at home over and over again in the minivan on road trips. <laughs> There's no, many, no telling how many times uh, we've seen our kids' favorites. I just know that it's a lot. And to my knowledge, uh, we've not missed any major new releases since our oldest was born in 2006, even the ones for which our two boys were not necessarily the target audience, Frozen, Tangled, Frozen 2. <laughs> but with the passage of time, as they've gotten older, uh, their interests have changed these days. Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe are much more their speed. I am not complaining about that in any way. <laughs> but we still watch the animated movies when they come out. Uh, the recent ones have just been okay. Onward was the last movie we saw in the theater before the, the pandemic shut everything down for a while. That was good, but not spectacular. Like everybody else, uh, for a year and a half or so, we, we streamed all those new releases at home. The movie Soul was creative. We actually watched that when we were in COVID quarantine over Christmas in 2020. Uh, we watched Raya and the Last Dragon and Luca. All these movies were fine, uh, but unlike when our kids were younger, we watched all of them only once, and, you know, just to be honest, once was enough. <laughs> Prior to its release, I didn't even hear much about uh, the new movie that came out this fall, and when I finally did see the trailer, it seemed like a, a weird, frankly, kind of hokey premise so like I said, I had very low expectations uh, for this movie. But uh, then we saw it in the theater, its opening week, and I was, I was totally uh, captivated. I'm talking about the movie Encanto. Now even if uh, you have not seen this movie, chances are there's a child in your life who has, and even if your children have not seen this movie, uh, chances are they know the very catchy song about one of the main characters. Uh, kids, help me out. Who do we not talk about? Bruno. No, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno, do we? <laughs> Believe it or not, We Don't Talk About Bruno is the most popular song in Disney history. You guys know this? Uh, it's become quite, kind of a, a pop culture phenomenon. It holds the record, this is true, for the most weeks, most number of weeks at number one on the Billboard charts of any Disney song ever. And there's only one other Disney song that's made it to number one on the charts, and you're not going to guess which it was. It was not Frozen. Let, it was not Let It Go. It was A Whole New World from Aladdin back in 1993, before Stephanie was born. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Encanto uh, won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film, which it richly deserved, in my opinion. Uh, with a, an incredible soundtrack and these really stunning visuals. It's a, it's a beautifully told, emotionally complex story. It's about family, it's about community, 
It's about love. It's about loss and grief. It's about the things we fear the most and the things we fight hardest to protect. It's set in Colombia in the mid-20th century. It's a story about uh, a magical house in a secluded valley owned by the Madrigal family. And the driving premise of the movie uh, is that um, the house gives a special power to each Madrigal child on their fifth birthday. Now, the matriarch of the family is the grandmother, Abuela, and her uh, strong, sometimes severe leadership has helped the family use their miraculously given powers to protect the town's inhabitants for two generations. As the movie begins, we learn that there's one family member, Mirabel, uh, who for some reason did not receive a special power, but when the house's protective magic appears to be dying, we discover that Mirabel, the only ordinary member of the family, just may be the only one who can save the miracle, save the magic, and with it, save the family and their community. Now you're probably thinking, that's great, Chris, but we didn't come for a movie review of Encanto. <laughs> Fair. The reason I'm saying all this is because this, this animated movie for which I had very, very low expectations is actually a, a beautiful illustration of one of the most important theological truths of this, our holiest day. We're, we'll get back to that shortly, but I'm guessing you're here this morning to hear the Easter story, and so uh, we'll get to that now. Throughout the season of Lent, actually, um, Meredith alluded to this in the video, in her children's time video. Throughout the season of Lent, we spent uh, six Sundays reading about important moments from the life of Jesus uh, from the Gospel of Luke. And so we're going to stay in the Gospel of Luke this morning to read his account of the resurrection of Christ. And here's what you need to know before we read. So at the end of chapter 23, uh, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee uh, saw him laid in the tomb on Friday, and then they went home to prepare spices for his burial. Saturday was the Sabbath, and so they rested on that day, and then they returned on Sunday morning to anoint his body for burial, and so we're going to pick up the story from there. This is the uh, lectionary gospel for today, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. Listen, friends, for the word of God, as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the evangelist Luke. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. So according to all of the gospel accounts, it's clear that the disciples, despite having been part of Jesus' ministry from the beginning, had very low expectations for what would come next after his crucifixion. It's clear, according to all of the gospels, that they thought the story was over on Good Friday. Mind you, he had tried to tell them what was coming. According to Luke, he had uh, explained to them three times how his earthly ministry would end. Most recently, right before they entered Jerusalem, about a week or so before his death and resurrection, he had not kept this a secret from them. In fact, uh, that last time that he mentioned it in the 18th chapter of Luke, he had been very specific. He said, on the third day, the Son of Man will rise again. Luke tells us, but they they understood nothing about all these things. In fact, what he said was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said, which was understandable, I guess, uh, since it was such an unusual thing that Jesus was predicting. But then, even after two men in dazzling clothes told the women in the empty tomb that it had come to pass just as Jesus has predicted, had predicted, and even after the women had told the eleven what they had experienced, Luke tells us these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe. The only conclusion I can draw uh, is that they must have had very low expectations uh, about what was possible after Christ's death. Now, we know they're going to figure it out, of course, right? We wouldn't all be here this morning if they didn't figure it out eventually. A few verses after the account we just read, Jesus uh, appears to them. Pentecost comes. We're going to talk about that seven weeks from now. And on Pentecost, the apostles receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the life of the church would be off and running, a life that we've all inherited, a life that brought us all here this morning. We know that the Gospel of Luke was uh, also the author, uh, the author of Luke was also the author of the Acts of the Apostles, and that second volume makes very clear that uh, the resurrection will not remain an idle tale to the eleven for long. But their expectations were obviously very low on that first Easter morning. It wasn't too far into Encanto uh, that I realized that my, my very low expectations for this movie were unfounded. Uh, it turns out it's a much more sophisticated story that, uh, than I thought it would be. Um, in the opening scene, we learn that the backstory of this magical house in a secluded valley is that 50 years earlier, during a time of civil war, the young Madrigal family had to flee the violence that had arrived at their village. Abuela, that's a, a young abuela there on the left, her husband Pedro, her infant triplets, and their community were chased from their homes by armed men who pursued them into the jungle. Pedro kissed his wife and kids goodbye and then turned to confront their antagonists to give his, his family and his community time to get away. And we learned that when he was lost to the violence of the Civil War, uh, the candle that Abuela was, was carrying to light their way in the jungle became the magic flame that created this magical home in the valley, the Encanto, uh, where they would be safe. Telling the story to her uh, granddaughter Maribel decades later, Abuela says, in our darkest moment, we were given a miracle. And in the words of the amazing opening musical number of the movie, each new generation 
must keep the miracle burning. Now listen, I'm not naive. <laughs> I know that the filmmakers were trying to tell a story first that would sell tickets, <laughs> second that would sell subscriptions to a streaming service, and third that might even win an Oscar at some point. I do not know uh, if they intended to tell a story with specifically religious connotations. But I have to tell you that as a pastor, as a father, uh, as a longtime connoisseur of animated movies that I've watched over and over and over again, I sure do see some, some pretty compelling connections to the theology of our most important day. I think it's easy for us as 21st century Christians to, to primarily think about the resurrection in two ways. First, you know, obviously it was a, a momentous event that happened a long time ago. Uh, and second, it is something that ensures our own eternal destiny. And I understand why our primary focus is on these two uh, very important things. We opened our worship service today by singing that great Charles Wesley Easter hymn, Death in vain forbids him rise, Christ has opened paradise. Uh, Once he died, our souls to save, where's thy victory? Boasting grave, made like him, like him, we rise, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Easter certainly is about both of these things. The resurrection of Christ was indeed a historical event that actually happened, <laughs> an event that we celebrate this day uh, with all the pageantry and all the fanfare that we can muster because it's a story that deserves everything we have to offer. And it certainly is a theological truth that, that guarantees our eternal destiny. We need not fear the end of this life because what comes next is life in eternity with God, thanks to the resurrection of Christ. Easter is absolutely about both something that happened almost 2,000 years ago and something that awaits when our time here is complete. But there is a, a much more immediate impact of the resurrection in our lives. In the Easter account that we read for today, there's a story, or a phrase rather, that is unique to Luke's gospel. It only appears in Luke. It's a phrase really that makes all the difference, and I'm sure you noticed it. One of the men in dazzling clothes asks the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? Christ is alive. <laughs> That's what Easter means. He's not, he's not in the tomb. He, he conquered the power of death forever. That's what Easter means, so that, that begs the question then, where is he? <laughs> well, the Apostle Paul actually makes that answer very clear. So this is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. There's a phrase in here that, uh, if you ask me, is worth memorizing. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who live but it is Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Resurrection is something that happened a long time ago, for sure, and resurrection is something that awaits us when our time here is complete for sure, and both of these truths are crucial parts of what we believe as Christians, but for today, 
for today, for our lives right now on this Easter morning, for the, for the moment that we walk out of this sanctuary to live the most faithful lives we can. The most immediate truth of the resurrection is that for all of us who have put our faith in him, the risen Christ lives in every one of us. And that has some really astonishing implications. We are not God, of course, but in each of us, despite our imperfections, despite our shortcomings, there is a spark of the divine. And what that means is that every single one of us is worthy. Every single one of us is loved unconditionally. Every single one of us has unique gifts to offer the world. Every single one of us has uh, a power within to live purposeful and meaningful and grace-filled lives. And if anyone has ever told you anything different, <laughs> we can tell them to take that up with the Apostle Paul or with Jesus himself. It's true that Encanto is a, a kid's movie, but like all great children's stories, there's something for us adults as well. This is a story with family drama and generational trauma. It's an emotionally rich story about the ways that we unintentionally hurt the people closest to us and how we can heal those relationships. It's unclear from the story why Maribel was not given a special power when she turned five. It's even unclear just exactly what her power turns out to be. But what is clear is that when the miracle seems to be dying, it's up to her to save it. In the words of her uncle that nobody used to talk about, <laughs> the fate of the Encanto, it all comes down to you. You're exactly what this family needs. And if you've never heard that, hear that again. You are exactly what this family needs. If you've not seen it, I won't ruin it for you, uh, but I will tell you that it can be viewed as a parable about the power of resurrection in our lives, how this seemingly ordinary child, so often and so long overlooked because everyone thought she did not have a unique gift, in fact had the power of love and forgiveness and reconciliation. And in the end, that turns out to be the most important power of all as each new generation has the responsibility to keep the miracle burning. Friends, the great truth of Easter is that the risen Christ lives in us all. That's one of the great miracles of this day, that in all of our uniqueness and all of our imperfections, we have this great power within to be God's instruments of love and compassion and grace in a world that is filled with too much of the opposite. <laughs> so on this day that we celebrate what happened so long ago and on this day when we are comforted by the glory of what lies ahead, may we use the power within for good. Our God is counting on it. Amen.